a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. Welcome to the restricted section where I did not write an intro to this episode. With me today is Brooke. Say hello to the listeners, Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) Instantly dissolves into death (laughs) What's up? Are you well? I'm not. I have a toddler in daycare. I'm never well. I haven't been healthy in years. It seems like your spirits are high. I'm fine. Emotionally, I'm fine. I have accepted this into my life. I'm just going to be a little bit sick until my last child reaches like middle school. (laughs) Okay, well, okay. And we can all brace for that as it slowly trickles into the friend group. Also with us today is Mary Clay. Say hello to the listeners, Mary Clay. Hello, everyone. What? Uh, I'm here. Here you are. Here I am. And last, but certainly not least, and definitely the tallest with us today is Jason. Say hello to the listeners, Jason. You guys mind if I have a snack? I do actually really mind if you are crinkling and eating. Hello, listeners. Is this meant to be ASMR? I want to go back and redo mine. Brooke coughed. Jason crinkled stuff. I want to do some other kind of like audio faux pas. Ooh, okay. Here, how about, okay, like that. Here, I'll do. Hi, everyone. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, that's very funny. Um, What can I do? Oh, here. I'll put on, um, during the day when I'm not recording, I have my little hand warmer blowing. So I'll just blow that. A hand warmer? The entire time. Yeah, um, I have pretty bad circulation, and my hands get really cold when I'm typing aggressively. Um, but anyway, welcome to the restricted section, et cetera, et cetera. Can you hear my hand warmer? It's so cute. Can you see it? It's like a little... That is very adorable. Oh. I have a drawer full of slime for my professional hands. Oh, my God. I have slime right here, too. Right here. Arms reach I, with all my other fidgets. I truly love it. I have currently, I think, like ooh, 10 different oh, nice. different slimes because they've got different textures. Some of them make more what? or less acceptable meeting noises. Wait, tell me more about slime sometime. Please I tell me know. there's just a bunch of farty <laughs> slimes in there. And those are the ones that you unfortunately <laughs> learned were not meeting appropriate. No, they're just some of like really loud crackles that I thought were more subtle than than they are until I like was in a meeting playing with it and I could see someone politely ignoring it. Like I could see it in their face (laughs) that they were trying to politely ignore that there was just occasional loud cracking noises. Tina, I will literally bring my slime collection over to your house on Friday because this slime is not good enough. I've kept meaning to bring it with me, but I this is like me coming out like I have not told a single person. (laughs) That I've ever purchased adult slime because it feels so fucking silly, but I actually love it. Oh, I'm proud of you, Brooke. Oh, it's so nostalgic. I remember I remember slime when I was a when I was a lad. The Nickelodeon days. That's all I have to Yeah, very time live. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
When Leela and I started Burn Before Reading, I lovingly made an accessibility move for her and I bought her a bunch of <laughs> fidget toys. And But they come in packs of like eight. So, well, and one time she wasn't at movie night. Remember Mary Clay and we were just um, testing all of the fidget toys that had come in. I was like a child and I was like, I don't think these fidgets work. <laughs> fidgeting, fidgeting. And look, I have that one too. Is that this one, Mary Clay? Yeah. Ooh. Oh my yeah, God, is we, yours blue too? Well, I have like six here. All of us at the time were like, these suck, but we all always have them, I feel like. Yeah, this is actually the most... Uh, Im- like, uh, um, 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 uh huh, uh huh. Sound it out. It's the I'm most fidgety. Gonna, I'm never gonna think of it. Not like subtle. It's the most, this is the most, like, not elegant. inconspicuous. Inconspicuous solution. No, what's like a word for like okay. underdog? Unexpected. Like, unexpected. That's it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Just cut yeah. all that out. <laughs> I won't. Nope. It stays in. <laughs> We're here to talk about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince film. Kind of. We're here to kind of talk about that, right? Yeah, it'll come up from time to time. For starters, I would love to know, Jason, did you watch this movie like when it first came out? Had you been reading the books and like and like paying attention or or when did you watch this? I definitely saw this in theaters. Um, It was kind of because this came out in 2009, right? Sure. Oh, that would be a good thing to have pulled up for this. Um, It came out in 2009, so... I was 18 and um, I really don't remember watching it, honestly, <laughs> that like I don't remember a mm-hmm. whole lot from like my first experience watching That's it. Fine. And uh, it didn't leave much of an impression on me like like the earlier films did. Okay. But yeah, um, but I was definitely like up to date on everything. I knew about the Dumbledore, the death, the death of Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mary Clay Brooke? Did either of you like have an unusual or did you just like watch this when it came out? Oh, you, Mary Clay, wait, remind me. Well, I, I have, remind maybe me. Brooke should go first, because I have a okay. very, I actually vividly remember watching okay, okay. this movie for the first Brooke, time. you go. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I was okay. 17, so I'm sure I saw, I mean, I know I saw this in theaters. Did I see it, like, right when it opened? Is I Isn't I don't know. Because I feel like midnight book releases definitely a I thing. I feel like I must have, right? Midnight book releases were definitely a thing, but midnight movie releases didn't really become a thing until kind of later. I went, I think I went to the midnight release for a couple Harry Potter movies and I could not tell you which. I know I went to the midnight release for the last Harry Potter movie and I posted about it aggressively to Facebook and that's why I know because I check my Facebook memories every morning to make sure that I'm staying humble, quite frankly. Yeah, and- That's a great idea, but the next time they pop up, screenshot and send them to me because I would love to see. Yeah, I wore. Yeah, do those count on Bird Before Reading? Oh yeah. Yes, yes, we do. Do uh, do Facebook. We literally count? do want to do a Facebook memory episode. Yes, oh, literally. I okay, have. I, will I also have start, records of me going to the Twilight now. Midnight releases. Ooh, I remember going to. Oh my god! I think I went to the Catching Fire Midnight release, and I dressed up, and no one was dressed up, and it was not very populated. That's so <laughs> funny. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Like Catching Fire was the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like I must have, but also, mm, no, because I had a real driver's license by then. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in North Carolina, they don't let you, for, you know, for the first, like, year or whatever, you're not allowed to drive after, like, 8 p.m. or something like that, 9 p.m. Oh, weird. Yeah. Oh. It's it. They have, like, a what they call it a graduated licensing system, and that's how I ended up in a reckless driving course. But that's a story for another time, friends. Mm. <laughs> 
But like, yeah, I, I mean, I must have gone. I probably went. I probably took my sister. I definitely saw it mm-hmm. in theaters. Okay. Isn't it weird that we're just like, it's like, we're just assuming we did it. We like went to the movies and saw this. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Because like when I was, when I was. Memories all the time. I don't know. Well, I, I think you guys are a different story, but by the time like these later movies came out, I wasn't as big of a Harry Potter fan. I was kind of like um, growing out of it and getting into other stuff. And Harry Potter well, would be like. Imagine growing out of Harry Potter. So many tried to. But anyway. I think this podcast has been about you growing out of Harry Potter, Christina. Oh, for sure. Just being fucking done with it. For sure. Talk about looking back to stay humble. Like, I... That's like the... Because, like, there's there's a larger narrative at play. Like, with, with Tolkien about, there is a larger narrative of, like, I was opening up a part of a somewhat sometimes toxic fandom... To experience it in an untoxic, wholesome way, you know, and your narrative is you are you started as a fan and you ended as a hater started engaging in a wholesome fandom and then ended up in whatever this is. Yeah, it's like the reverse journey that I've been on. Yeah, because like you're I was really reading it and it was something unlike you. It was something I thought I knew, but reading it, I'm like, oh, this is bad. Like this is a toxic Whereas you were like, uh, this there's seems toxic lame. here and I'm not doing this. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So Jason says by this time he was not becoming a fan. This was when I became a fan because like I had just read the books for the first time in between movie five and movie six. Um, oh, and I was exciting. like, damn, these are pretty good. Um, I get what people mean by liking these. And the movie came out the week that I was on my like church youth group mission trip. And we always had a day off where we would like go do something fun. And we went and saw this movie. Um, and you're like, oh, OK, I guess that's that. I, yeah, I guess maybe I would remember doing that, too. The reason I vividly remember it. Sorry, Jason, is because. I uh, bled through my tampon. Oh my God. (laughs) As a, I was 14 years old, I think. No, Mary Glade, no. Oh, Um, yeah. No. Sempra. I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I just pulled a muscle in my side. Oh my God. That was good. Anyway, yeah, I um, <laughs> I uh, I had like kind of just started getting the hang of tampons, or so I thought. Well, they're hard. They're, they're hard. They're really it. tough. Or so I thought. And also, uh, in my pre-birth control, can you hear the banging of my upstairs neighbor? Oh no, I can't. Not like sex banging, but like noise banging. Man, sex banging <laughs> would be a wild twist to that. <laughs> I have heard the that banging? too. What was I saying? Something about... T- oh, yeah. In my pre-birth control days, I had just a very heavy flow. Pretty much mm-hmm. now that I mm-hmm. look back on it, unmanageable for a fresh a, a fresh new woman to yeah. e- handle, you know? So mm-hmm. um, we went into... We were getting ready to go into the theater. Mind you, it's only like, what, two, ou- two hours long? Two and a half hours long? Two hours, 33 minutes. Two and a half and, hours, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I guess this will be fine. 
it was not. Um, and I think I, we were going to like a swimming hole after the movie. So we all had like our towels and stuff. And so when mm. we left the theater, I obvi- like I, I realized I think I went to the bathroom and realized that I had bled through and you could see it. I'm, I was wearing like bright uh, not, or I was wearing like light blue sh- uh, I was wearing light blue no, Sophie's uh, no. oh yeah. my god Sophie Sophie. Shorts. yeah and I had light blue too yes yeah. I'm sure you know exactly you know exactly the color so like there was no hiding what was going on and so I like just awkwardly wrapped my towel around me um nice. and yeah like a cool dude like a cool dude um but aside from the trauma um, I do also vividly remember getting into the church van, the youth group van, um, afterwards. Oh my god! And just like ranting, um, with like one or two of the other kids who had also read the book about like, because this was my first time I had I had wa- read the book before watching the movie, and so I just vividly remember us like ranting about like all the things that they changed and. Like, I think with time, I've definitely come to appreciate this movie a lot more and it's a lot more fun. And some of the like book differences and changes like you can move past. But definitely like at the time, it was like this was egregious. And we were like, how could they do this and all this other shit? So, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a traumatic day in two senses. That's wild. I know. That's a girl. You always got to double up on period supplies. I I have used a single method of birth control my entire sexual adult life, but I've always doubled up on my periods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. trust that, <laughs> Jason. Yeah, I, I'll I'll trust <laughs> the pullout method until I die, but I will never trust a single tampon. I never trust a tampon. <laughs> never trust a tampon anymore. Hang on, I gotta go to the store and buy tampons like all the fucking time. <laughs> I know something. There's sizes and a strain. They're not yeah. sizes, babe. They're not sizes. There, there's nothing that's sized in the female vagina that relates to a tampon. They have absorbency. Wait, so what? Okay, what does the, like the super and like the? That's an absorbency. It's, that's it's not a size. Absorbency. No, yeah. I would say. Oh, I would mean, say like the thing is like physically size. bigger. Yeah, because they no, are. But this, it's neither here or there. <laughs> Harry Potter. They can be like a little puffier, but I don't think they're okay. Anyway, it's not like she has. Like, they're slightly bigger. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Just because um, I have a heavy, I, I rem- does anyone else remember that line vividly? Just because I have a heavy flow in a white set vagina. No, vagina. Yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> uh, I also probably went to see this movie in the theaters, and I probably went with my mom because she read the books too. And I feel like I have a memory of being disappointed with all the changes, and then learning to love it more later. But I also feel like maybe just so many people have said that to me by now that I've made it part of my history when it's not because the human mind is a fickle little thing should have done what i did and bleed through your tampon and then you remember that day so much i've I've always been enough of a theater kid that like the idea of things being adapted has never bothered me like Mm -hmm. i i was involved in enough like performance plays whatever that it's like the the idea of like well you take your own artistic spin sometimes you cut things out because it's not working for like your version of the character or whatever like I will say that one thing I like distinctly remember is that I was in no way, shape or form bothered by this movie or by really any adaptation of mm-hmm. of the Harry Potter movies. I think the Harry Potter movies in terms of ad- film to sc- or book to screen adaptations, I overall think do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. 
<clears throat> I Overall. mean, I feel like it's the best you can do without just going full Peter Jackson. Yeah. Which we don't yeah, want. I mean, sometimes I feel like the, the later movies, like, start to isolate people who haven't read the books or aren't super knowledgeable about Harry Potter because they mm. just have to introduce so many things and so many characters, especially by yeah. Deathly Hallows, you know? But also, that's, like, so okay like I, you know like, no it is but it's like they got to do what they got to do but my parents seem to be fine with it by like movie Sorry. seven or eight I, I know that like there are lots of like non-book readers who were like i don't know not necessarily like oh i don't know what's happening but like i don't understand like the intricacies of what's going on with the plot line here because there's like certain details that were not included in earlier films that like would have helped mm -hmm. to like flesh out the story more. Well, you also go yeah. from like abracadabra school drama to like he's got a what that split his soul and now he yeah. can't be deaded except by okay. There's a that magical chain of receipt for a single wand that intimately affects the way that it works is you know, that's a big ask. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you try like adapting JK Rowling's like inner ramblings into I'm like good. a cohesive plot no, for a yeah, film. Yeah, I'm good. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of details that you do kind of have to remember. Yeah, and I think that's where I do have trouble with the adaptations. Is I feel like every time I'm like, why did they put this random thing in here? It and it turns out that they cut something equally noteworthy, and it's like, why did we make this choice narratively? Like, what is this doing narratively? And if I can't figure out that answer, that's when I get a little perturbed. Because, for example, the new Percy Jackson show changed a lot of stuff in a way that I think, like, was very pleasant and delightful in a way that, like, made it, it a little more contemporary, you know? But I, I sometimes... I'm thinking about the burrow scene in this fucking movie. I think and then the burrow there's some, scene is the sticking point in this film. It's the sticking you know? point. Okay, so, and yeah, I'm sorry. Could like you explain that? Because I'm I'm not really well-versed on the, the changes from book to film. The burrow just doesn't burn down in the book. It's just fine. There's no attack. It doesn't happen. They just go to the burrow for Christmas and, like, the end. And it's fine. The, huh. the minister of magic shows up with Percy. Does that happen in the movie? No, right? Does it? Huh. And I remember reading uh. about that specific change and the decision to include that in the movie was like something about like, we want to show that like no one is safe and that like the dangers of the war are hitting close to home and like all this other stuff. Because in the throughout the book, you hear you hear stories about like what's happening to like their classmates and their families. But like that's mm -hmm. not stuff that like you can. I guess, easily include in the movie. But at the same time, it, I feel like it still would have been effective to have the minister. Well, no, because they see that's that's where you run into trouble, because in the previous movie, they didn't really show anything about all the drama with Percy. And so then they would have had to set oh, yeah. that up for this movie yeah. to be like the reason that this is so tense and awkward with their family is because Percy left, you know, and so. You don't have that context to add for this movie. Yeah, but the point of the it is that the minister shows up and you still could just do that without Percy. Like he just shows up to talk to Harry and that's the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you. So, Brooke, you said that you generally just like like the adaptations. So do you like this movie? Like a th if you got to do a thumbs up or a thumbs down, what is it? I'm, I'm a thumbs up on this movie. 
Mm-hmm. I honestly, when I put it on, and maybe it's it's also a little bit of just like context as I get older, right? But like that opening scene of like the bulbs flashing in his face while he's like like actively processing trauma, like that, like oh. that landed, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a that's an opening that hits you, you know. Yeah, th- it's a hook for sure. And like this movie oscillates so wildly, and I think pretty well overall between like the utter ridiculousness of teenagers and mm-hmm. the like <laughs> absolute in depth trauma that everyone around them is dealing with. Like, yeah, it, it literally like how do you date in the apocalypse is like the theme of this movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, yeah. I think it's handled pretty well in in that regard. You know, you feel like you feel the reprieves feel like a reprieve, and the parts that are meant to be haunting and harrowing do do feel that way to me. Yeah, totally. Does anyone would anyone give it a thumbs down? I'd give it a thumbs up generally. Yeah, I I, I think in in general, I, I have like problems with this movie. It's like, but they're like nitpicks. And it's 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 just like it's just kind of like my brain. I, I I but overall, it's like in comparison to the other Harry Potter films, I think it's kind of weak. Mm, okay. But as like a standalone yeah, yeah. product, like I think it's fine. It's 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 pretty good. There's a lot of um really captivating like shots, especially like I think the the scene that like comes out to me the most is I mean we're skipping ahead to the end, but like the Horcrux cave scene is oh, yeah. so well done and how it's with the with the just how it's conveying the events, like you seeing the fire through the water, or you're seeing how deep this place is and just the way they're capturing that emptiness in the cave and how isolated they are and Mm -hmm. just how, but also how like powerful Dumbledore is. It's such a good scene. There's so many like really, really well shot scenes in this movie. And then there's a lot that like made me want to barf. Like it's kind of a weird mixed bag for me. Huh, um, cuz I don't what know we were t- we were talking I I would like to well, know. Well, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's cuz it's because like I'm a dorky guy with cameras, so I notice color I notice like color collect Oh my god. Eh. I notice color correction a lot. And this movie in general, actually I'll get to that later, but this movie kind of has like a very weird sort of greenish brownish haze over a lot of the parts and Sometimes those scenes, like we were commenting on it, like when we were watching it at at your house, Tina, like people's skin doesn't look quite natural. And like, there's like this greenish hue. And but that's like, again, that's like a minor nitpick. That's like something I because I do actually really like the cinematographer for this movie. He's done a lot of good things like the um, oh, uh, across the universe, which I really love. And then that uh, tragedy of Macbeth, the A24 one. Yeah, that's the that's the tragedy of Macbeth. Is yeah, they, nice. they yeah yeah the one the Cohen brothers yeah or the nice. Cohen yeah, brothers did. Yeah, that one was did. great. Yeah, and he's really good at these like striking shots. Like they're, but there's a lot of scenes in between where I guess it's because they're like teenage hijinks and stuff like that. And I did read that there were some like disputes with the studio that some scenes needed more color, and then I noticed that yeah. like there are some scenes where that like. All of us, it just like, looks I don't know. You, I don't know. Do you remember like the color. scene where, do you remember the scene where like it transitions from like this? Uh, it's like before they get to Hogwarts and then they get on the train and it's like this 
orange field and like this blue sky. And it's like, it's such in contrast to like what we've seen before. And I guess I would just say like the cinematography and everything. I'll, I'll just like keep my ranch for it. The cinematography is like inconsistent. <laughs> Five minutes much. later. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there was like a lot of green I noticed. And also the cover of this book is like totally green. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if there was, they were trying to force some kind of vibe connection there. Yeah. Cause the half blood prince <laughs> has like blue tinge and, See, that would have been cool if they like kept with that theme or that idea throughout the whole series of like, oh, hey, the book cover for this is this color. Let's incorporate a lot of hues of red in the first mm. one and let's incorporate a lot of hues of whatever in the next one. But you're you're having that thought in like a post Avengers universe where the idea of like a single studio head with a guiding vision across eight films yeah. is a reality. Ooh, yeah. That yeah. just what yeah, that, you know, yeah. Like that just like was not the way these were produced because that wasn't a thing that occurred. True. But I will say the the moments where the color difference strikes me the most is the way that they costume Lavender Brown. Oh, yeah. She's a little pop of color. She is in every single scene. Oh, right. Yeah. They, every time you see oh, her. Oh, like her regular she, clothes. Not like she, her. I was like, it's a yeah. school uniform. No, no, no. no. Her, like, she, she usually even, has a headband, yes, too. Yes. Even in her school uniform, she usually has a colorful headband. They style her hair to be like big and like noticeable and like. She looks. I love her. She literally looks very physically like she does not belong with the darker elements of this movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, noticeably. She, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This movie I does have it. to struggle with a lot of like tone shifts. You know, it's like we do yeah. the teenage thing, but then we do like, you know, Mister Baby Killer, Chosen One, uh, Wizard Hitler thing on the side. In, <laughs> in particular. Like immediately, like after the burrow scene, you know, they're back at Hogwarts and Ron is like just off making out with Lavender again. And it's just such a whiplash again of like it's like we just witnessed like one of the most tragic events so far in this series of like a familiar that you home. artificially put in this story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Of like a familiar home comforting place being burned down, and then like, oh, we're back to teenage rom com yeah. land, and like, and that's no so one, weird. The thing is, is that there's no follow up to it. There's no like, com there's no. Don't they have the wedding from, in the like, next movie at the Burry? Yeah, there's yeah. no comment yeah. from Jenny or Ron about like, oh yeah, mom says the like reconstruction on the burrow is going great or something like that. Are we just going shrug magic on this one? Well, I mean, like, I guess so. I guess we have to. I hate it. It feels like a cheap shot at drama. It's like, let's, like, just kill this thing that you have fond memories of. Yeah, and then bring it right back with no repercussions. Just to kind of instill a reaction out of you. Yeah. It's like when they kill Hedwig. I'm like, well, that was in the book. Well, that's so. a whole thing. I it's like when they book. kill someone in a Marvel movie. It's like they just come back to life in the next movie. Unless they die for real in real life. Oh, yeah. I was so... I've watched um, Return of the Jedi now. I was so convinced oh, that Obi-Wan was going to come back in full... Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's obviously he's going to come like back. Gandalf the and White. a Gandalf the White moment. It's so <laughs> obvious. And I still think oh. that should have happened because he says, like, in his fight with Vader, like, if you kill me, I'll just be stronger. And, and, and like, that is Gandalf the White to a T. 
of like what happens mm-hmm. to nope. him. I was so convinced yeah. he was going to come back and it did not happen. Dead is dead. So, dead anyway. is dead this is, until it's not. As, I, as much as I hate this fact, this is a Harry Potter podcast. Yes, good point. Um, So do we want to talk about the plot or do are we just going to like <laughs> no. talk about like elements of the film? I, I'm saying this kind of in like an off mic capacity. We can take this either direction. I'm leaving it up to you, Tina. What do well, you want to record? I feel like trying to go chronologically is we don't need to impossible. Cause... But I, I, what I do have in front of me. OK, so here's an unhinged thing that I'm doing right now. I am using our Discord chat from the watch along as my notes to remember what happened. Oh my god. Wow, that's bold. Okay. Yeah. I do remember one I I do remember. Okay, this it was probably the funniest line in the movie. There's so much like awkward bad comedy in this movie, but the unintentional laughter I got was when was it okay, I can't remember what scene it was, but Harry Potter just blatantly says, "Sorry, my parents are dead." What? <laughs> do you remember this? I don't remember I that. don't. Really? Okay, never mind. But, like, I, I remember he, just, well, like, he busting says, out he laughing. He does, like, but I am the chosen one. But that's the, kind of... I thought um, that the, was, like, I intentionally cho- good. Chosen one is a funny line. Also, this... This is when Daniel Radcliffe gets good at acting. This yes. is I think when he starts to get a little like, weird. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I think I understand Harry Potter as a character. And... I'm going to like, I think he brings a lot of like book Harry to the movie. Well, listen, listen, book Harry only starts figuring stuff out and acting of his own accord in this book. It's the first book he's ever done that. And Daniel Radcliffe, he's the next Nicolas Cage because you have to show him where he gets to fucking lose it yeah (laughs) and if you don't show him it's not going to be organic but if he's working toward or away from a moment of like losing it (laughs) and just being like very very raw and wild that's just how they operate and so that's why daniel radcliffe is so good in these movies like horns and like weird and um like these movies where he just gets to he has guns for hands fun Oh my god. Oh yeah, what was that one? Um Guns Akimbo, right? That one was Guns Guns Akimbo, but we watched um Swiss Army Man. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. I love that movie. I love um, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> really upsetting movie. <laughs> so that's why I think he is good in this movie for the first time, because I think it's the first movie where he is trying to be a good actor, and I think it's the first movie where he therefore figured out how to have fun with it. Yes. But I think this is the movie where I think all the actors start aging in different directions as well. Mm. Like Tom Felton mm. looks like a 38 year old man in this film. God, the hair, the, no, he doesn't even have his hair slicked back in this one. It's, it's That's not, he's got like a weird bowl <laughs> cut, but like, here's the thing. The, the point got like being a very that, like, thin face. This was the movie where you start to see why studio execs were uncomfortable with the idea of producing eight films cast based on 11 year olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a risky move. Yeah. Some of them grow into it. Some of them straight up don't. You know what I mean? There are people littered. This movie is littered with with child actors who never got it. I think Emma Watson falls firmly in that camp. Yes. And you, me and Jason talked about that a lot on our Beauty and the Beast bonus episode over on the Patreon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But like this is this is a movie where you're yeah, you're watching like 
Daniel Radcliffe have this like breakthrough moment of like, oh, I, I can be a silly little boy. And Emma Watson is standing beside him like, I didn't memorize a line to respond to this, right? You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and then you've got Tom Felton <laughs> off. Like, what do having, I do? Like, like I think a pretty successful like trauma drama dump off in the corner. Every time you cut to them, I'm like, I like what you're doing. It's just He's unrelated. He's having a rough go of it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. And so anyhow, I think this is the the film where the the acting differences that you are inherently going to come to casting a bunch of unknown 11 year olds really makes itself known. Well, and I think that the most glaring, we have to talk about it, I think the most glaring evidence of that is the fact that Bonnie Wright and Danielle Radcliffe have negative chemistry. Negative chemistry in such a way that negative is a good good way to to describe it. I think half of it is also a failure of the script because they give no, like there are, again, you go back to like the earlier movies and they've cut out a lot of these like, random like one-liners that Jenny will have or you know these like scenes that like don't necessarily like I understand what like I remember there's a scene in Order of the Phoenix where there or sorry a chapter um in Order of the Phoenix where they're like in the library and they're eating like easter eggs that um Molly sent them and they're talking about how Harry can try and talk to Sirius and Jenny comes over and she like starts eating one of like their like chocolate eggs. And she's like, just use like, if there's anything I've learned from Fred and George, it's that like breaking the rules, you can do anything. And like, that's like such a simple moment that like tells us about her personality and who she is that we don't get in the movies. And so now you've gotten yeah. to movie six where suddenly she's at the forefront of the movie and we don't know anything about her other than, she is Ron's little sister, and she used to have a crush on Harry. And that crush yeah. was displayed as freezing. That That's it. Just freezing. We, we yeah, it wasn't cute, really. No, no, no. Actually, you, you forget. In this movie, it is clear that Jenny's new personality is that she is fiery and good with the boys, as her, as her uh. twin brothers just declare. But the thing is, is like, she's supposed to be. Well, I mean, yeah, that's why they said they were like, oh, she suddenly now has to be at the forefront of the story. So yeah. now we're going to tell you, oh, by the way, she she she's she like makes she's, that with boys you know, now fun and, and free. And she do makes you that guys with boys. remember. Do you guys remember when Ginny sent him that? Valentine's Day singing poem. Happy Valentine's Day. I just fucking remembered this. Yes. It comes out on oh, Valentine's Day. Perfect. Wait, oh, happy Valentine's wait, Day. Wait. Um, okay, so that means I'm going to read it to you. Jenny. Okay. Poem. Valentine's Day. And like that's, Day. like, that's something stupid that, like, I get why they okay. didn't put it in the movie. But, like. No, I know, but it's a good character moment. It's a moment. silly Listen, character moment. Yeah. Guys, hello. Happy Valentine's Day to each and every one of my little restricted section pals. I love you so much. His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. His hair is as dark as a blackboard. I wish he was mine. He's really divine. The hero who conquered the Dark Lord. Very solid. Oh, that, yeah, Happy Valentine's Day. Very romantic. Um, <laughs> you love talking so, about Dark Lords and love poems. Here's the thing. In the books, Jenny is fun, young, hot, and sporty with a little yeah. bit of a naughty streak. And Bonnie Wright is a gentle, calm, old soul and she yeah. seems like she's trying to play a young, hot, charismatic girl while actually being a 34-year-old suburban mom of four. Yeah, yes. I'll agree with all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it makes sense that she is not attracted to young <laughs> she's wildcard Daniel Radcliffe. She seems too old for him. This whole film, you're like watching them together and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal and not in the direction you think. And something that bothers me is that she is like four or five inches taller than him. And you can never Oof, tell yeah. because people worry way too much about that kind of shit in movies. And it pisses me off because if you're gonna... Love a short king, love a short king. Uh, but all of this leading to, I think, one of the greatest moments in this movie, which is when they're at the borough for Christmas. This is pre-attack, right? And Harry's having a conversation with Lupin, and I think Ron is maybe in the, or no, Arthur is in the room too. And then, like, the conversation comes to an end, and... Like Arthur walks away and then Lupin just kind of awkwardly sits there for a second and then he stands up and walks away. And then Jenny comes over and sits down with like a plate of like mince pies and takes one and goes, open up you and feeds it to him. (laughs) And he takes like an awkward bite of it because that's the most awkward thing to feed a person. And then they're kind of like staring at each other for a second. Ron walks in with a whole plate. Oh, that's it. Ron walks in with a whole plate of pies. And she's got like little dough balls or something. In between them, having no notion of of what just happened. He cannot read a room. Oh, I always kind of thought he did that intentionally. Like, hey, I'm going to break this up. No, I think that was a dumb, oblivious Ron thing. They really uh, want him to be dumb. I just, mm. I, yeah, I think some, uh, a, a lot of, also, I, I want to make it clear. I don't actually think that was like a, a moment of like pure cinematic genius. I think <laughs> it's, it's so terrible that it's memorable, you know? Yeah. yeah this movie's really yeah. awkward sometimes. I mean, I guess that's the point, right? Because high school is awkward. Contrast it with an yeah. awkward moment that I think was intentional and done well is I think they're on the train back home and Lavender comes by and does the thing oh, <laughs> oh yeah. with the glass where she fogs it up and draws a heart. And she's doing this like really intense thing, right? And inside the carriage, Harry is also there and he just like starts playing with like the little tray that drops mm. down into the seat. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Lavender Brown was played in this movie by Jesse Cave. Yes. Whoa, Shout- the cave. Best part of the movie. Like, we, there's so She's many qualms great. with mm-hmm. this movie, right? She is mm-hmm. not one of them. She is absolutely nope. the best part of this yeah, movie. We should, we should yeah. mention that sure. the character known as Lavender was previously in earlier films cast uh, as a black, uh, as a black actress, oh, yeah, and they they did okay, yeah. they did I, replace her with a white girl, which sucks for sucks sure. Yes, unrelated to that statement, Jesse Cave did a really good job. Yes, yep. yeah, yeah. I think that her personality is really big, and I just relate to her, and <laughs> I want to protect her. And I think the portrayal is so good. They don't show like I mean, her and Ron have like a lot of like fighting and stuff. They just don't have time to show anything and. Yeah, it's always kind of implied, their fights. Their breakup in the book, Ron keeps pretending to be asleep when she goes to visit him in the the infirmary. Mm -hmm. And then Harry 
gets into some pickle, gets him into some pickle because he is like wearing the invisibility cloak when Ron, Harry, and Hermione all come down from the dormitory. So Lavender is like, "What the fuck are you doing with Hermione, Ron?" And then, <laughs> and then they break up that night because Harry's having good luck, and that's good luck for Harry. But in the movie, Ron is like completely unconscious and like unconsciously breaks up with Lavender? Question mark by being because like, it goes Hermione, uh, Hermione, so. Stupid. Stupid. And then such a Hermione. beautiful line from Dumbledore. Oh, to Hermione. be young and to feel love's <laughs> king, keen sting. That is a good line. I like it. Yeah. I overall enjoyed the teen romance antics more in the last movie, probably, in terms of depiction. They felt a oh, little God. bit more like it's all bad, uh, right? Because it is all bad. Teen <laughs> romance okay, is okay. bad. Right? Like teen yeah. romance is bad and it's all bad because teen romance is bad. Um, sorry if you're a teen, it gets better. Um, but like, I promise you'll figure out what tampons to use (laughs) and don't take my advice on the pullout method. I spoke that on air. So anyhow, um, like (laughs) she has a baby, everyone. (laughs) It did not work well. (laughs) To be fair, I intended to have the baby. Yeah, you didn't do it at all, which is why it didn't work. Um, but, uh. What was I going with this? Uh, this movie it's felt like team. so. Okay, last movie felt like letting everyone explore and have fun in that. This movie feels more like the pairings are written, and it's time that we set that up for the last yeah. movie. Yeah, you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, like they, yeah, I do. They, it's like they finally read the books, and we're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh, oh we didn't set this up at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite, where I've I've transitioned to. I don't really like this movie as a movie. It's very average. And I'm kind of just at a, I'm at a point in my life now where I deem content a lot, most content by like, did I, was I entertained? And yeah. And and like, was it, was it like fun to watch is a lot of times what I end up like judging Mm -hmm. something by is like, did I ultimately enjoy it? And the things that now make me enjoy this movie are the dumb teenage rom-com stuff and the silly Daniel Radcliffe moments. And like Mm -hmm. a lot of that is because so much of it is like awkward and cringy. And I'm like, you know what, if that's what we're going to go for with this, then let's, you know, give into that. Yeah, I I go the opposite way. The thing that entertains me about this film, not in like a boy, what a ride. But the thing that I find compelling maybe about this film is just the way that it handles the like deep and abiding traumas that are happening with the with the weird exception of the Burrow stuff, because it was yeah. an insert. And so they it just not written. They forgot to deal with it. But like. <clears throat> You know, I think overall, like, like I said, that opening shot of the cameras snapping on him, the thing with the in 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 fairy or whatever it is in the cave Mm -hmm. feels like you are watching someone's life get ripped apart. You know what I mean? Like it there are a lot of moments in this film that feel genuinely haunting and appropriately dark for like what's actually happening that I think sometimes the books can actually obscure a little bit because it is a kid's book. And there are a lot of moments in the books that you're like, I can read that this is traumatic. I can yeah, read that this is yeah. dark, but it's not hitting me the way that seeing well, um, it does, you know? Y- yeah, we right, recorded exactly. a bonus episode that's coming out in a couple months, like maybe, I think maybe in April, but it was about 
the Dursleys, like like mm-hmm. their narrative arc. And you can sign up for Patreon if you want to hear that. But we were, t- I was like, is this so dark? I need like a content warning on this episode. And I was like, it's all just stuff that's like in the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we're like, look how fucked up this thing is. And we were like, yeah, you should put a content warning on it because it's fucking fucked up. When you call attention <laughs> yeah. to it or you you ground it in enough of a reality that you make it a real thing. Like, right. That That's what a movie does. It grounds something that's written and imagined into a reality enough that you have to reckon with it as a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, you do end up with a pretty successful application of like, holy shit in this film you know what i mean like yeah the the holy shit of oh my god this is this is happening there's all this like war violence death and not in an abstracted way in like a personal way yeah and and mm-hmm. i mean the movie really kicks in with the drama kind of in the the third act like as soon as dumbledore and harry kind of go on their adventure and i think that i mean i think that's why i do end up like not remembering a whole lot about this movie, but then when I rewatch it, I'm, I I do kind of remember. It's like, oh, there are like really captivating, dark, mature things, and I really appreciated that when I was, you know, becoming a teenager. I was like, I don't want this to be like, you know, and I don't think anybody did. I think every everybody's like, I don't want this to be kitty anymore. I want this to be dark, and sometimes it's applied really well. Like the screeching girl and the the sectusempra parts and the burning Ooh, of Hagrid's yeah. yeah burning of Hagrid's and, uh, what's cabin. What's Katie and... Bell? That's it. The Ooh. oh yeah, like, yeah yeah maybe this is like an I'm 14 and this is deep moment, but like watching <laughs> this does kind of feel the, like that. Yeah. Watching the altered Slughorn memory is a thing that even as an adult, I'm like, yeah, there are memories that I know exist in my brain mm-hmm. that didn't happen the way I remember them and tell them at this point. And I'm like, yes. I'm aware of that. I don't know that I could go, I don't know that I could reset my brain back to the original version. But yeah. also I think that's also grounded in a reality of like, we know what it's like to have memories that you wish Which turned out the way that they that you like, oh, yeah. like, like yeah. Slughorn has this distinct memory of giving Voldemort this knowledge that turned him into, you know, that that gave him this yeah. like immortal being, you know, power. Yeah, it- and he wishes it happened differently, and so you know he's magic, so he can technically make that memory different, but like the reality still exists within him, and. We all, I know we, like, everyone has memories like that where it's like, I'm just going to pretend this went down a different way. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to yeah, live in my state of delusion. And it it doesn't feel wrong or bad. Yeah, if you created one of, like, wizard, wizarding history's, like, greatest monsters accidentally, or indirectly, I should say, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could live with myself. And I think he does need to do that to just cope he like to to highlight another good performance is 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 jim broadbent as slughorn because i do always feel i think that's great casting i love jim broadbent a lot i don't know anything about the man but i like he's a great character actor and and slughorn has always made me like really sad he's a very sad character to me Mm -hmm. because why he well because he he puts on this you know bruise that he likes you know the finer things in life and he loves discussing things like that are that are you know nice and and friendly and you or you know just you know nonchalant gossip and stuff like that at his Mm -hmm. you know little tea parties with the students 
but I always kind of see like this, this kind of trauma in his eyes or like this kind of Mm. like internal sadness. Like you can tell he's very insecure. You can tell he's very desperate for friendship. Like to the point where he like takes a cursed job, you know, like because he'll Mm, be back at Hogwarts and well, because his best friends are students that he's kind of bribing to be with him so that he can tell other people that he knows them once they grow up. Yeah, that's, so that's more describing networking. Yes. I, here's the that's thing. more yeah. he wants he want he likes to have connections to like cool things within the wizarding world. But I do mm-hmm. understand what you mean about him like I think he is always haunted by what happened with mm-hmm. Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem to call in any of the connections. Like they they refer to him as like a collector. Like he just well, sets him on a shelf. Yeah, those, I mean those people exist. He's also in in like hiding right now, kind of. That's true. How did you feel about his performance as chair? Okay, so I, I was it. gonna bring. Like, that up. I believed he was a chair. <laughs> I was gonna bring that scene up because reading it, it's confusing and kind of abstract and you're like what the fuck he's a chair what does that mean <laughs> yeah. and the way that they cho- and like us also this goes to like the visual effects department too mm-hmm. um but like that combined with like the way i i specifically remember seeing some kind of like behind the scenes feature where he talks about like i imagined that like i was shaking off this part of the like he like talks through like the physicality of that moment yeah yeah. and like they just did such a really good job of bringing there's a lot of those kinds of things from the books that like you're reading it and you're like okay whatever and they choose to like really bring it to life on the screen and you're like damn that's great that's really great (laughs) yeah yeah nice little touch I do like yep. uh, Dumbledore's f- the following scene where Dumbledore has a little Mary Poppins sequence. Well, let's go back like even a little bit further. Remember at the very beginning when Harry starts the book just like in a subway talking to a hot girl. Yeah. And and Dumbledore's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin your life by <laughs> doing this one more thing. of the century. <laughs> yeah, that's an example of a change from the book that I found delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did too. Like Harry, Like Harry just like. I don't know, being a teenager and looking at girls. like. But hang on, know. what is he doing <laughs> No, I know. in London? Like, I'm I, assuming I he know. was in London like, because... St- straight vibing? Took the train passing, in to hang passing out? T- passing I, I, time. He's also, like, old enough now that, like, regardless of his, of the Dursleys' dislike for him, they can't physically lock him but inside like, in the, the same way But, like, the whole thing anymore. is that he's safe at number... Whatever he's safe at Privet Drive, and they Dumbledore make him is stay, and, and they're they, not even in the movie. They specifically the make magic. him stay there all the time. So, he, so stupid. He, he just has to kind of visit it to re up the magic. Isn't that established? Like it's like so stupid because the wording is like as long as he calls this place home, and it's like, and, but like, Hogwarts what? is his home. He talks yeah. about that he, multiple. He times. says it explicitly. Actually, at the beginning of the first movie, he goes, I'm not going home. Not really. Not really. really. Yes. No, we talked about this. No, we talked about this in the fucking Dursley's episode. It's so annoying. Uh, It's so silly. But also, also, that waitress would never in a million years look at someone who look at the woman that that waitress is. And then look at Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> no, I Daniel don't know, Radcliffe man. So I'd fuck cute. around with it. I'd fuck around with it. Yeah, I would. Is okay, Daniel he, Radcliffe cute because he's Daniel Radcliffe? N- yes. Like, would yes. you find him attractive if he was yes. an average person? Yes. No, I love. I love short kings like Daniel Radcliffe. I I've dated them before. It's so fun. They're so 
They're so good in bed. They're so fucking funny. Data short king. I'm not kidding. He he, he seems like he would just be a blast to hang out with. Like it, it's really yeah. And it's not even just like Daniel the Daniel Radcliffe of it all. He's a decently attractive dude. Fine, and he just has a vibe about him that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about you at all. I can be completely comfortable okay. in this moment because you pose yeah. zero threat. It's all fun. But again, I think that's because he's Daniel Radcliffe. Just being a normal person. I don't think he's giving off dangerous vibes in that scene. You know what I mean? Like, he seems like the nicest person to have hit on that waitress in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's polite. Oh, man. Oh, Harry. I, mean, yeah. I know we kind of touched on it briefly, but I did want to really talk about the Sectum Sempra scene. Okay. Because. Oof. Okay. It, Is it gay? I was more just going to say, that, like, what? in the books, I couldn't my brain couldn't make sense of what was happening in the books like when i read that description i was just like okay Okay, it was a a real bad time like what happened you know what i mean like it's something Mm -hmm. that my brain could not conceive of and the movie makes it like the chair yeah the the movie makes (laughs) it pretty horrifying i think successfully it's really it's really sad and you feel the impact oh shit and the weight of like Oh, I because like in the books, I feel like Harry didn't actually feel guilty about that. I think he was just like, oh, shit, I'm going to get caught. Let me go hide the book. In this one, I in the movie, I feel like he genuinely was like, we need to like with the help, with the encouragement from his friends. He which then leads to another fantastic Jenny Harry scene. But like you kind of feel the weight so much more because of it. It's so yeah, the way the teachers react and, and are just like, it's, there's like a "what have you done?" sort of like vibe. It's yeah. kind of like when a kid, like you know, kid does something stupid, he doesn't realize what he's doing. Well, especially because we've kind of grown accustomed to watching some pretty out there magical maladies in this universe. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you need to see the reaction of those around him to separate it out from Seamus blowing up his face or someone being turned into a ferret and getting stuffed down someone's pants. You know what I mean? Like there's a yeah, lot of yeah. weird, oh, I forgot about that. there's a lot of weird unexamined body horror that exists in the, in the concept of magic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Turning, turning animals into water goblets and Harry lot loses the bones in his arm. Right. Yeah. And it's always kind of played and Dudley getting a tail. It's often played for laughs. And yeah. this is the first time we try a bit of magic that hurts someone and it's not funny you it's know what i funny. mean because i we're in love with him well actually we kind of get a little glimpse of that in the fifth book when we go back in the memory and what is it i was gonna say it's Levicorpus, but i was about to say leviticus <laughs> yeah it's definitely written in leviticus um, and we see like and harry uses it as a funny spell when he finds Levicorpus in the book in the half-blood prince book but in the memory in snape's memory it's like oh this is like being used to like torment someone like yeah. this is really awful and uh, yeah and yeah I'm, it's such a visceral spell too because it literally like opens up the body and there's mm-hmm. actually like blood in this yeah. in this movie which i was yeah it's a lot of because it's, P- because it's pg i was very yeah. surprised is by it that. <laughs> i thought it was a 13 i thought so too but like well because everybody's I, I might be wrong here we can look this up we can we I have, have the it. technology I, forgot I, I pulled it up so i could refer to things like this 
maybe in Britain it's it's different or something like that. But it is PG. Interesting. Yeah. yeah right. Isn't that weird? I for how like adult it is. It's. It's, I don't know. Yeah, uh, this is an art. The first thing that comes up is an article and it says parents need to know that Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is extremely edgy for a PG movie. <laughs> and always it's very yeah. similar to the previous two movies, which were rated PG-13. Yeah, see, the, maybe that was my thing is I thought I was like, I'm pretty sure they were PG-13 after like four. But well, I guess we had one one slipped by. But yes, I, mean, I would think that Azkaban I, is 13. I, I will say to keep this to the movie and not just a discussion of the plot of the book again, like, I okay. I do think this particular scene, the Sectum Semper scene, is a scene that you need to see it for it to, for the importance of the moment yeah. to land. Like, yeah. so much mm-hmm. of the magic that we've been exposed to and so much of the magic that we see on screen is lighthearted, except for the unforgivable curses, but even those are usually introduced as a joke, other than killing yeah, someone. the spiders... Were tap uh, dancing... Were- yeah, yeah, you know, they were they were a little bit funny. Yeah, and it's all stuff you can't really comprehend happening to you because, like, I don't know, like a Cruciatus Cursor or like an Imperius Cursor, even Avada yeah. Kedavra, it just kind of like it just like floods over. Like Avada Kedavra, you just like it just floods over you, and then you just stop. You're just not alive yeah. anymore. You just fall. Actually, the seems like kind of a nice way to die. Sorry. Yeah. Honestly, oh, yeah. Immediate. And then. Yeah. Cru- yeah. Yeah, and Cruciatus is like, you know, it's like a torture thing. We can't really comprehend like what kind of torture it is, but this is like very straightforward. This cuts you open and like yeah. which okay, mm-hmm. so it, remind me uh, like indulge my ignorance for a second. Did Snape create that spell or did he like yes. research yes. it and he created it? Okay. He made yeah. it. He created it. He's a bad guy like, in case up. anyone that's was fucked fucking up. Wondering. Also, but also Remember, like he was a teenager energy. when he wrote the book. So that yeah. and when he like made these spells and made these notes in the book. So that also gives us an insight into like he was in very dark places as a teenager, obviously, because he goes on to, you know, join the Death Eaters and everything. He is a dark place. Mm-hmm. Like, at, like, yeah, like he's a bad guy, but he it's also uh, this isn't me having sympathy for like Snape the adult. But, like, Snape the child, it's very sad that, like, he got to a point where he was doing shit like this, you know? Well, and I yeah. think there's a there's an element of this, the fact that it's a peer-to-peer thing. Again, a lot of the bad stuff we see happen in Harry Potter is done to adults. In the presence of children, sure, but it's done to the adults. Mm-hmm. And this is a, mm. this is, you know, child-on-child violence. Yeah. <laughs> From it's child on child violence, kind of for the first time, perpetuated by our primary protagonist. And also with this scene, it there's no score to it. It's just the sounds of like them having the battle in the bathroom. Yep. Um. Yeah, just like running water and stuff. It makes it like, I don't know, like more. It's like this isn't cinematic. This is just like, this is intense anger. For, mm-hmm. Like intense anger from Harry's side at Draco, and then Draco in this like very stressful, traumatic spot in his life, and like these tensions coming to a head, and like that's all that it is. It's also two of the better child actors from the main cast actually getting mm-hmm. to like apply themselves, yeah, in, a, yeah. in an encapsulated moment. Yeah, I feel like they both mm-hmm. like care mm-hmm. about about executing like a a nice. Yeah. Scene. It's um, it's one of the few times you're watching it and you're like, wow, there's there's like actual like chemistry here 
not not yes, chemistry, chemistry but you know what i mean like it feels like there's history like these feel like real characters this feels like a moment of importance which isn't a thing that we always get in these movies yeah there's a lot of gems i th- i think about um when i heard i probably read this in like a fucking magazine like 10 years ago or whatever but like tom felton said once that whenever daniel radcliffe still calls him he answers the phone like Potter. And I do feel like they are like genuinely like had this like fun little relationship that you can see on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. To talk about something happier, um, we just have a lot of really great Luna moments in the movie. I think mm-hmm. we see we see for the first time because Quidditch was cut from the fifth movie. We see her lion hat in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She rescues Harry at the beginning and she's like, I know a spell that can fix your nose. And it's like yeah. of like really gross, horrific spell that she just like deliver her like sweet little soft voice, and <laughs> you hear like the crack of Harry's nose. It mostly works on toast, but it'll probably work. Oh my god! Oh my god! The the comedic moment, of, like timing and editing of of Harry being like, "Yeah, I have a date to the dance. Someone, someone fun, someone cool." Cut <laughs> yeah. to Luna. Wow. I know. I love her. When I, I think I've said this on pod before, but when I when when I when these books were first coming out, me and my friend Lainey would like practice our British accents together because we were gonna go audition to be Luna Lovegood because we were like so quirky. That's you so know? Oh my god. Precious though. <laughs> I love it. I'm literally undiscovered talent. I didn't even notice her her giant um lion head like blinks and like uh reacts no, it's, it, good. its eyebrows would yeah. like mimic her eyebrow movements. I never noticed that. And oh, I, I nice know, yeah, detail. I didn't. I've it's never noticed magic. that too. Yeah, because in the book, it's like a magical, it like roars and everything. And this one, it's just like an intense craft project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just kind of looks like someone at Comic-Con just chilling in a yes. costume. <laughs> She's a Ravenclaw. I feel like that's like one of her inventions, you know? I um I read on Wikipedia and I took it at face value that at the time of its release this was like the most expensive movie ever made. It cost what? like two hundred and fifty right? million dollars to make this movie. What? That's yeah. I, it must be the VFX or something like that. <clears throat> but like, do you think you see that on the screen? I don't know. Do I mean, you they're see? doing I mean, a yeah, lot. Yeah, I think for I sure. think they they're were certainly just given so much money at this point that they're like, I guess we'll use it all. Like I bet they yeah, they they yes. could have been like they they could have done it probably for like five hundred k less or something you know what I don't know hmm. what I don't know Only what money means out of a two hundred fifty million dollar budget you I don't think know they what could money means beyond what I make a year which is not five hundred k I need a pie chart now but like I mean but like you know what I mean that like they I, I'm sure that like they had a budget in mind and then someone like kicked down the door and was like you guys aren't gonna believe this. <laughs> we're rich (laughs) that's how my whole wedding happened i we were planning on like a very very limited budget my parents were like does this work and we were like you're just gonna give us that what if we don't spend it like wow what if i don't spend enough of it and they were like i don't know you this is for Mm. your wedding it's a wedding present yeah it goes away after and i'm like well, fuck, and that's how you end up with things like a cotton candy machine, your own custom coffee blend. I was just Hell picking yeah. things. <laughs> and you had a cape. You had a cape, Brooke. I had a cape, yeah. I'm on the opposite side of that, Brooke, where my parents have used all of my wedding money. <laughs> They're like, Mary Clay, we're really <laughs> planning on you eloping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I, you know, I get the impulse, but I don't know that I see that money on the screen here. 
Like, yeah, I, I'm trying I'm to, like, pick out where the 250 mil went. And I feel like a huge chunk of it's got to be salaries. Maybe that's why they added in the burrow scene. Part of me wonders if it's maybe because the actors were becoming more expensive to come back. Yeah, like, uh, you can I, I feel read, like a lot of that I read maybe reports it was for that Jim co- Broadbent at this point. I, mm. I read a couple of reports that like, or I mean, this is just Wikipedia, but that like some of the actors were actually considering not coming back. Like Emma Watson didn't want, Whoa. was hesitant to come back. Pourquoi? Did they say why? Um, she didn't want to be typecast um, as a as a nerdy book girl. Well, that would mean you girl, have you to have the ability to act beyond that. That's I was the only say, thing you, she is. What the fuck? You thought your acting was going to get you anything but that? She did Beauty and the Beast. Radcliffe and Grint were initially, uh, yeah, Radcliffe and Grint were initially hesitant to continue, but agreed. Emma Watson considered not returning, citing fear of being typecast, but eventually decided that the, quote, pulses, oh, the, the pluses outweighed the minuses and the could pulses. not bear to see anyone else. <laughs> Uh, no finger anything with a pulse, Jane. <laughs> she said, <laughs> Jane, no. Uh, but it said she couldn't bear to see someone else play Hermione. Well, so, yeah. Hmm. I mean, halfway Because they the would be so much better, be I bet. That's not even halfway through yeah, the series. That's more than halfway through the series. I know, yeah. It's like, it's at that, yeah, if you're going to not come back, stop at book four, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, book three. Book three is where you can bow out. Yeah, once the David Yates like directing starts kicking in, that's when that's like the official characters of of so and so. You locked because they changed lavender. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and also I thought it was kind of funny. There's also an interesting fact: the guy who played Yum, uh, who played Tom Riddle in Chamber of Secrets, wanted uh, like expressed interest in coming back for like flashbacks, but he was too old. Ooh. What? No, at he's so point, hot. That guy was so hot at the yeah, time. He was. At the time of filming, he was thirty. So I don't think he would have worked as a young Voldemort. Okay, but also like I Daniel know, Radcliffe man. was 25 or whatever at this I, point. Yeah, also I, also, true, I yeah. grew up with Disney Channel original movies where they were like, look at this spry 40 year old teen in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the little there was some trivia, I think, where the little boy who played Tom Riddle, I think, was mm-hmm. Ray Fine's like nephew or something, which that sounds right. Nepotism yeah. is yeah, cool, but also like this that's is not a very even nepotism. That's like ha- not having to do a whole casting gambit for that's bullshit. also true. You know what I mean? He's like, eh, he kind of looks like him. So eh. also this little boy was very haunting. So it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the I did want to bring up that flashback scene and and see what you thought of it, because I I found it very captivating this time this time around just the yeah. the back and forth between Dumbledore and Tom Riddle and how just like somber everything is I don't know how it compares to the book I was wondering what you guys thought I th- I mean like you get kind of like some silly quirky background from the like lady who walks Dumbledore into the orphanage um mm-hmm. but like I don't know aside from that it's uh, I think it's played pretty straight that like this is a child who's been in a, you know, who has been like neglected and forgotten and like is uncovering pieces of himself that he doesn't know what to do with. Does it make you sympathize Voldemort a little bit? Well, yeah, yeah. because I think they're trying to oh, deliberately maybe. make him seem like he's like a foil to Harry. You know, they have like a similar upbringing of being like neglected oh, and abused. Uh, and like Harry okay. turned out like the shining good boy and Voldemort turned out like evil. I need um, oh, to ahead, bring up I just the wanted fact to see how long that, that silence was going to last. 
This movie was nominated. I was making sure that no one else had other thoughts before I completely diverted this entire Go, Brooke. Yeah, go ahead. This movie was nominated for the Oscars for cinematography. Right? Whoa. What? 2010. That's so interesting. 2010. So here were the nominees. The White Ribbon, which was a weird German movie. You've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. No one in the Academy probably Mm -hmm. watched that. The Hurt Locker. Noms. Whoa. Okay. Right? Okay. Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Avatar, which was the winner. No. Oh my God. We were talking no. about Avatar. No. Are you kidding today. me? And then Ew. Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. That's wow. so strange. Oh, I, okay. I remember for Deathly Hollows Part One, they got nominated for like, uh, it, it was something about like action scenes or special effects or something. And the clip that they showed at the Oscars was like the fight that they have in the restaurant with the Death Eaters. And it was like, <laughs> of all the things to showcase the special effects in <laughs> these movies, you chose that? Like, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Right? Like there's this, I, I was just going to comment more about the, like the, the ending scene in the cave with the fire and everything. I was like, how could you not? Oh, I guess that is pretty good special effects. That one does kind of like, that's I the see one why. that stands out yeah. to me. Because yeah. other, otherwise, I wouldn't know like what other special effects elements they do in this movie that are necessarily different from the previous ones. Oh, not special aside effects. from the chair. Cinematography. Aside from cinematography. Oh, cinematography. So. This was a cinematography yeah. nomination. Oh, yeah. yeah that's why. That's what's know. so interesting no comment. to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, nominated for that scene with um, Jenny feeding Harry on the couch. Shut oh, up. No. I have a problem with the way this guy blocks like romantic scenes. He always just like, oh, it's no. like, it's like here's a kid thing. with dolls. It's yes, like, he, they here's just, the thing. You just have to them. put their feet together. Like you have to make their bodies close to each other. They, they have always have to. like a good foot between them and they're standing like parrot, like right. And they're, they don't do anything with other. their hands or their arms. Horrible. Yeah, and it looks so awkward. I'm like, people do not stand like this. I know it's awkward, and Br- I know British people are like kind of awkward inherently, but like, like the, I, it just doesn't seem believable sometimes. And I think that could be directing or, or I don't know, but because uh, like in order to the Phoenix, kind of had the same problem too with him and Cho's kiss. It's like. But that's supposed, supposed to be kind of like yes, weird. That and one's horrible. supposed to be weird. These ones are supposed horrible. to be sexy so, yeah. and they're even weirder. Yeah. Yeah. It's even weirder because it's like Ron's sister. Well, I guess that's not too weird, but like it makes the situation very awkward. In the books, Ginny just is like making out everywhere and she just is like sexy and good at making out. Like yeah. she just, it's like so organic for her character in the books and in the films. Bonnie Rage just doesn't seem like a, a hallway necker, but she gets caught necking in the hallway and fucking Ooh-hoo-hoo. in the book. <laughs> she don't need no Bonnie, love potions. Bonnie Rate has the energy of someone who saved herself for marriage, not for religious reasons, but because it felt right. <laughs> so the the thing that I just had a visceral reaction to, so I like looking up the IMDB trivia facts for any given movie because yes. they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is like, did you know alternate versions, right? And it's it's like some dubbed versions change the name of characters to match their novel counterparts, which rev a fucking lucianary. But they say examples include Hermione, who in the German version is Ermine. Okay. Fine. Which is an actual French name, though. Like Ermine? Yes. But are you ready for this? I don't know if we've brought this up on the pod before, but it's important to note that Dumbledore 
in the Dutch version is called Percamentus. Percamentus. Ooh, I love it. That sounds like I'm a spell that. that you say to summon Percocet. Percamentus. <laughs> We actually did talk a lot about translations in a bonus episode last year, but I, we didn't come across that one. Be- um, a lot. They're great. Go to our <laughs> Patreon. But we, I didn't, I didn't learn about that name translation. That one's really good. Um, other fun, not so fun facts. Um, well, as Tina always reminds us, I'm going to tell you a fact. You tell me if it's fun. Um, yeah. This one's definitely mm. not. Dame Maggie Smith completed this. Completing filming for this movie while undergoing radiotherapy yeah, for breast yeah. cancer. Sad. I do kind of. Oh wow. Dame Maggie Smith, more like damn Maggie Smith. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Fucking badass. And apparently, Dana Radcliffe sees this as his least favorite performance in the franchise. Yeah. What? Stating really? in oh. an interview in oh. 2014 that he was quote just not very good in it and called it hard to watch. He revealed that Whoa. he was struggling with alcohol at the yeah. time of filming and could tell in yeah. certain scenes that he was intoxicated. Ooh. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I didn't know that. I understand I kind of why like, it would be hard for him to like associate this movie with that time in his life. Wow. Yeah. Simply, Stop making faces. Simply none of these are fun facts. Like All of these are horrifying Dark, facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just, that's just the, the later Harry Potter books in a nutshell. Like, it's not fun. Horace Slughorn's outfits were designed to look rich in eggs elegant but also threadbare and worn they were washed in a powdery solution to make them appear they had gathered dust during his retirement but also robert knox who played marcus belby do we have any lock on who a marcus no, belby is no. was tragically stabbed to death just a few days after filming rap what oh my god here's a bummer fact we oh, were watching, oh it's the guy I, when we were sorry, watching it's the guy this, who like the guy with the big teeth isn't it what? It's the guy who like stuffs his face with ice cream. That's like the only picture of him that comes up. No, that's like, not Marcus Belby. That's someone else. Well, um, that's um, what's his face? Cormac McGlagan. That's Cormac McGlagan is the one stuffing his face with food. Huh. And then, oh wait, that's a great, that's a great moment. That's oh, another shout out to that actor because there's a moment at the dinner where he's like eating all the ice cream or whatever, and he's clearly into Hermione. And he like looks across the table and he's like sucking ice cream off of his pinky or something. And she is so, yeah. I mean, oh, it, it also really might just funny. be Emma Watson's acting, but she's like so <laughs> uncomfortable with it. And he is so I intense. I mean, I don't love it for her, but it's a funny moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a fact that I'm going to pre pre-identify as fun. Uh, apparently, okay. Alan Rickman was quoted as saying he was on the other end of this film. Because he thought that it was very funny to watch Dumbledore fall off the tower because he was remembering his diehard days. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is really good. I was like, oh damn, God. talk about like embodying your character damn. or whatever. <laughs> I lo- that's some dark. That's a dark sense of humor. I love that. Speaking of Alan Rickman, there was that one scene, um, the Unbreakable Vow, where it was Alan Rickman, Helena Bottom Carter, and oh, fuck, what's that? Oh, what's name? her name? Um... Uh, um, I said Helen, like McCroy. Helen McCroy. Helen McCroy. Helen McCrory. Um, and I was like, damn, two of these three people are passed away. And that was very sad yeah. while you're watching that scene because they're all such good actors and that's like such a good scene. Yeah. That too. I, yeah, and, um, I personally feel and that. And what's way. his name who I'm sorry, I forget the guy's name who played Dumbledore. Michael is it Michael Bannon? Michael Gambin. Oh yeah, shit, yeah, he, he died recently, recently too. too. 
Oh, yeah. And, and Hagrid. Too much facts to keep in mind. Well, brain. Hagrid was like two years ago. And um, what's his face? Robbie Coltrane, I think, was like two years ago now. Oh, so that, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, not, uh, not uh, I guess, I'm not still, as fresh. I'm still not over it, Mary Clay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, um, another thing that we didn't get in this movie that I. I just like really enjoy in the books is the whole like Fleur and Mrs. Weasley relationship. Yeah, Fleur's not here. Bill's not here. Yeah, we like don't have oh. time for that, yeah. and I get it, but it's like so good. Which in is the again book. another thing that like in the next movie because it wasn't set up in this movie is very random that it's like Fleur's back. Because <laughs> the last we heard of yeah. her in the movie universe is that she lost the Triwizard champion yeah you know? floor is like, back yeah. and now she fucks yeah imagine and now just she's being like a casual fan. now she's marrying bill yeah <laughs> yeah just imagine just being yeah. a casual fan i was like oh that's the dragon guy and he's married to the the french lady <laughs> that ron was staring at the butt in the fourth movie yeah and i think actually no, I think that's the, not the dragon guy to be clear that's charlie that's charlie this who's never bill. in the movies i think yes. i think oh, the next I'm, movie oh, is yeah, the first right. time we see bill in like uh, like as an actual person with lines yeah hi other weasley <laughs> yeah so it get yeah just like a lot of and then no mm-hmm. tonk sloop and stuff in the movie so you just have an awkward yeah. thing in the next movie oh wait no and, there is a little glimpse well, of it in the there's movie. a they say that one of the fun facts was that they, so fun. at the borough you hear them refer to each other as sweetheart and yeah, a so user just... submitted that that is incorrect because in the books they clearly state that they were he was rejecting her advances and they decided yeah. to let his he let his guard down after Dumbledore died because life was too short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So they don't get together until after Dumbledore dies. The like tiny Easter egg moment you get of them like being in a relationship in this movie is that like they're about to leave and then like. <laughs> And and Tonk said something like, not tonight, Molly, it's a full moon or like it's almost the full moon. And then it cuts to Lupin, like staring out ominously and like the grass, <laughs> the grasslands <laughs> of wherever the fuck the burrow is now. He's like, I'm trying to run these grasslands. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there's a there's another werewolf in this movie. I forget. It's not. It's yeah. Fenrir. The Greyback guy. He just kind of yeah, shows up. That, in the movie. that was another helpful visualization of the movie because you hear a lot about Fenrir in the in the book, and they talk about how like, oh, he's a like he's a werewolf and he's bad, but like he's not bad because he's a werewolf. He like chooses to use his werewolf powers for bad, and like you don't really understand how that's possible, but then you see him and it's like, oh, he's like trapped in some kind of like in between like state of being a werewolf. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you have to, any to more? To yeah, is that, <laughs> to no, no is, there, is that something that's, yeah, I was curious about that because is, is that, I, I just don't really know much about that character. Like, why does he kind of look like that all the time? Well, it- what I know from Twilight lore is that if you really give in to the wolf, eventually it's hard to come back. To being uh, you know what? I think the similar rules apply here. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that that's I, it. Uh. I think there's the whole dichotomy of werewolfism pretty much any time it's presented is that like there's a human being. It's it's a Jekyll and Hyde scenario, right? Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Wolf. And anytime someone goes too far to wolf, they become more beast than man, sometimes physically, if not emotionally. 
I think the book was like, mm. this is a wolfish man. And then the movie was like, but wolf what if man. this was a wolf man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, it's like Stuart Little. It's like Stuart Little. <laughs> and how oh he's just God. described as a small, mousy boy. And they no, were like, mouse boy? Mouse. <laughs> 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 <It's a> mouse. <laughs> Stuart Little makes me laugh. That whole premise uh, gets more ridiculous every well, year. Well, <laughs> guys, I am so happy that we, um, uh, I'm assuming we're nearing the end of this recording. We didn't really I, we talk at all be. about the main <laughs> plot of of the movie, which we is like I, Snape being the half-blood prince. And it's because it's yeah. not I don't explained. care enough. It's also I don't never explained. Enough. In the movie, they're just kind of, he's like, it he's was like, me. I'm and it's like, the half blood prince. And it's like, oh, okay, we gonna get any follow up on that? And it's like, no, no. Was it important? No. No, it was me the whole time. Da 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 da. I remember it being more dramatic in the book. I think he there's actually like an oh, exclamation absolutely. point. Like, I am the half blood yeah. prince. And he's, I mean, I do yeah, like fighting. Alan Rickman's kind fighting. of, I do kind of like his subdued. Like tone throughout the movie, but I, th- I yeah. think for but that's that line, Alan Rickman. yeah. But I think I mean, for that line, I think maybe I don't know. It's like, can Harry I even know. hear him with like gi- with the giant <laughs> like, explosions going on in the background? There is, yeah, <laughs> the, that's true. The Half Blood Prince reveal always falls flat for me, book yeah. book or movie. It's just not something that I care about, nor is it important. It's the second time Harry Potter got taken advantage of by a roll old diary. <laughs> we go and do that again. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was looking <laughs> at Stop the reading, chapter. Harry. Half-Blood Prince recently <laughs> and like in the book they have an illustration of Snape at the beginning of the chapter and oh, I'm yeah. like you just gave it away before he even says it I'm pretty sure like yeah like fuck you yeah. like like this is yeah it's not good yeah I definitely have recommended to authors before like you need to change the name of this chapter because it's like giving away what's happening yeah. in this chapter which yeah. is why I think it's perfectly okay to be like chapter one <laughs> Yeah, chapter sure. two. No, start with chapter ten. Throw like, oh, early. there's a chapter in fucking um, Return of the King called the Pyre of Denethor, and I was like, I guess Denethor is oh, gonna yeah. die. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> um, we get a great like angsty Harry moment though at the end because he's like, fight back, fight back, you coward, yeah. and he's mm-hmm. he's real angry. He's real upset. Yeah, yeah. Those Gotta those scenes were like love commanded. that, love that. Definitely seeing, still seeing glimpses of the, he was their friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, it mirrors a lot, like the, the chase from the previous movie where he's chasing after Bellatrix, like the, oh, I can't mm. he's black. And it's like kind of. People it's, it's just stop fucking <laughs> killing my father figures. Please. I only have so many. But yeah, how do you develop? It's like a very How do you develop a personality if you, if you have a dad? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't work for literature. I'm sorry. My parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. Okay. I need to go back and watch it again to figure out what, where he says that. Cause I don't think I've ever. I remember it was it. at the most inappropriate. I remember I laughed because it was at the most inappropriate time. It had like, to have been during the it. Felix Felicis. No, scene. I think it's, I think it's meant to be, cause I have a vague recollection of it. I think it's meant to be like a, cause I like feel like he does that all the time. He just, where they're like, someone's complaining about his parents and he's like, I'm sorry. Like my parents are dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> I tried to Google it, but it's not really Googleable. Went, yes, I'm sorry my parents are dead's not returning the results you'd hoped for. I have a friend who will make lots of dead parent jokes and will and like you'll be talking about like, man, my mom, blah blah blah. And then they'll be like, 
I wouldn't know. My mom is dead. Oh my god! <laughs> and like I can, That's I can, rough, buddy. <laughs> and that, yeah, yeah. Look, it's if you just, got a dead parent, you got to use it for comedy. That's, That's exactly, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what they do. Yeah. Taylor Tomlinson did that right. Does anyone have anything else about this movie they want to talk about? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. There's Aragog. This that that whole thing. <sighs> Yeah. I'm only I'm only saying that because that was my cha- my only chapter for like this book. Um, eh, pass. Oh yeah, pass. Yeah. I mean, in general, we we could <laughs> we could you know do like a line by line re not resuscitation <laughs> reenactment <laughs> reenactment. What is the movie I dead? Guess, recite re- recitation 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 of um <laughs> uh, of like the Felix Felicia scene just because every single line that Jeremy Rockcliffe says is just a plus. Yeah, like one strong. of his lines is literally yeah. just "sir," and it's so funny. It's, <laughs> it's great. Um, but I yeah, guess yeah. also Alan Rickman really—I mean, like we know Alan Rickman is Alan Rickman, but yeah. like yeah. really yeah. in Rickman this movie, especially towards like the end and the scene with Dumbledore and everything, you really see a lot of that like weight of who he is as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say also to give credit to. To um, damn it, I forgot his name again. Crat, uh, Michael Gambon, because this is oh. well. Uh, you would think it's his last <laughs> performance as Dumbledore, but he comes back in the next movie. <gasps> <gasps> Fucking get off the white! What am I telling you guys? What have I been saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does. I mean, when he's in King's Cross Station, I mean, it does kind of look like no, yeah, getting yeah. off the but white. No, he, yeah, he's very, de- he is very like dead. Then <laughs> I'm in heaven. It's a train station. I slept um, overnight in a train station. That is not my heaven, bitch. <laughs> Especially when there's a tiny little aborted uh, Voldemort under the bench. Oh my god! Mm, yeah, he's looking at me. Have you guys um, seen? And I'm um, hungry, and it's Europe, so going to the bathroom costs a euro. Don't do this to me. Um, have you guys seen <laughs> posts from pro-life groups that will use? Um, the no. picture or like a gif no. of the like fetus <laughs> of Voldemort, and they'll be like, no, "This is what up. this is a picture of a ch- <laughs> of an aborted fetus <laughs> that was thrown into a trash can," Stop. and people are like, "That's oh Voldemort." <laughs> that is Voldemort, lady. I could see that uh, like panning out even further, where it's like, "This is a baby who was aborted," and then they. Uh, to go to an image of Voldemort as the baby in Goblet of Fire and is like, this is the one who got to live to be magical Hitler. <laughs> We're not going to talk oh. about abortion anymore. This I'm is sorry. Your, this, is I, your, this is your aborted baby. This is your I, aborted baby on crack. I will say. We, with, need, to skip, we need to move along. Brooke, with, take us away. <laughs> with, the, with the Snape and the Michael Gammon of it all, all the adult actors in this film, really, this is the point where the the there's an argument that you didn't need to invest in good adult actors in the early Harry Potter movies. They don't do much. They're mostly like they school were. I'd argue oh the my opposite. God, but they, they're all we have. Yeah, I know. I, they, yeah. I think like, we I needed them in the early movies. I think you need them more now. Like this is the point where the adult actors are like the only reason this movie can be argued to work is the adult actors with like a steady firm hand being like I understand how to act like a human being. Whereas the yeah. early films, you you could have thrown anyone in there. You didn't. You needed good actors. You didn't need like, like the top of the line of like the British high society actors 
to make those early yeah. movies work. These movies, you do need them, and I am glad they invested in them early. I would agree, yeah, because the drama is just so... It, it just gets so intense in the later books. And because mm. especially because, like, as you grow older, you find out that, like, the parents can't protect you as much as mm -hmm. you thought they could. And I think that's really well established in the sequence of events in this book, because it's like the confidence in adults to take care of the situation is just one by one going away. Like everyone mm -hmm. is dying or established foundations yeah. are being broken. Like they doesn't, doesn't like the death eaters coming into Hogwarts. Doesn't that feel so invasive? Like, you, oh, the you scene hate that they're in there. Yeah. Cause yeah. In Bellatrix the book, just we like don't trashes see everything. The battle happen. We don't see it happening. We just see the aftermath yeah. and mm -hmm. seeing Bellatrix in the great hall, like dancing on the, like tables and kicking all the dishware off, it feels like a violation of like this is like our safe place. It and is also, like literally you know, killing my childhood Bon right Carter, now. like so good, killing it. Mm -hmm. So I just remembered a really brief McGonagall moment that in the be in the beginning, Harry's like sorting out his schedule, and then she goes like, "And take Weasley with you. He looks far too happy." And then it's like a cut to Ron, and he's like. <laughs> Standing, doing something like looking just really dopey, and then McGonagall, <laughs> or rather Maggie Smith, just gives like this like disapproving like mm, kind of a look, <laughs> and um, it's just such a quick moment, but I love it so much. In addition to the Felix Felicius scene, I'm gonna give props to the Rupert Grant love potion scene. The, oh like, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh yeah, yeah, that one's really good. The love potion scene is delightful to watch. All right, fine, yeah. you're in love with her. Have you actually met her? No. Can you, no. introduce Can, you, me? Can you introduce me? <laughs> Can you introduce me? So good. his little face, like, like you're talking about lavender, so right? Cute. <laughs> and then when his sweet, happy little face just like slowly falls as he realizes what has happened. Oh yeah, <laughs> he very, like unloves. He's very good face himself. actor. Yeah. And then he starts seizing on the floor. And then he gets poisoned, again. and then it gets yeah, sad that does again. Sad. But uh, it was real fun again. for a minute. I, I will say that, like, this, you know, all the actors did a really good job of drinking out of small bottles and pretending like it did fucking anything. Like, 10 out of 10 across yeah. the board on small bottles. Yeah. Five stars. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> all right. Anything else before we wrap it up? I'm tapped out. Yeah. I, yeah I'm good. I, I have uh, finished my skein of yarn. Um, so oh my God, we got to wrap close. this up because I can't sit here and talk to you guys without a distraction. What? That's really funny because I've been crocheting too, and I was worried that I was looking distracted, but you didn't look distracted at all. Oh, I was looking down I was drawing. the whole time. <laughs> I've been, you been doodling. Brooke was reading fun Brooke? facts. It's actually oh, like a yeah. particular scene in the movie because I liked the because like sometimes the movie is like very painterly in how it handles colors and and clarity and everything and the one scene of like when S snape like disarms harry and you just see like mm -hmm. it's wide open and i kind of like pictures that can tell a story without any context so seeing like someone who has clearly lost some sort of duel a dominant figure with like a burning building right behind him and mm -hmm. this like amazing castle like there are some gorgeous shots in this movie so i will definitely give it that I can't remember why I started talking about it, but I just wanted to. Oh, yeah, because I, I Cause drew you're drawing scene. it. Yeah. Did you yeah. already forget that you were drawing it? <laughs> Honestly, anytime they zoom See, out from like... a duel when someone's like wand gets expelliarmus, 
and you hear the little like background like plink plink of a oh, tiny piece great. of wood hit the ground <laughs> and you're like suddenly remembering like oh yeah this is all like very fragile and silly it's a twig <laughs> yeah they're playing with sticks yeah yeah it's true it's not quite as it doesn't have the weight of a sword or a staff before we wrap it up let's each give this movie try to think of it as a movie without the book just the movie maybe we never even seen the books rate this movie one to five stars mary clay uh i'll give it like a 3.5 okay brooke i give it like a solid ass three okay jason um yeah i give it a 3.5 it's it's not my favorite but it's not my favorite harry potter movie by any means but it's certainly watchable and it's inoffensive for a lot and there's some really yeah. good parts so mm-hmm. it's it's a good movie i think it's just kind of in comparison to the other harry potter movies i think it's a little weak there's some awkward comedy okay. and some like i don't know just I, I can't describe it it's it's some parts just don't work for me for well the good movie, news is that never... we just spent the last hour and a half describing it <laughs> yeah that's yay true. like when i watch order of the phoenix i do get like a little like irritated because i don't like that movie at all so mm-hmm. and it's nice to go from that into half-blood prince where like oh there's actually drama there's things happening and the acting's like really really good and stuff so but yeah, yeah 3.5 there's weight to it um i will also do a three nice great pretty pretty strong <laughs> so i think three. that would be a 3.25 that's a classic c's get degrees situation mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yeah exactly i was like it's a movie <laughs> yeah this yeah like a B minus, C plus. It's fine. Yeah. It's not directed by Alfonso Caron. Yeah, who even directed it? It doesn't matter. It's too late now. We can't go back. Isn't it David? I think it's David Yates. Yeah. From I think from so Order of the Phoenix on to the end, it's David Yates. That's why I like mm-hmm. the other I, movies, I like, I'll have to have say I'll have to pay to attention to my like um Facebook status time machine because I definitely remember Ooh. um adding like in all caps David Yates, do you read? <laughs> oh my god that's either so in funny. response to this movie or like one of the other movies definitely. so i'll have to like keep, yeah i'll look for it and send it to definitely y'all. Send it. That's so funny jason tell the people where to find you on the internet and tell them what you've been enjoying recently uh let's see so you can find me on instagram at negative selections it's a photography uh i mean all instagram accounts are photography accounts but this is enough <laughs> more many of them are video based oh yeah true. Oh, that that is so true oh my god mm-hmm. and i and i refuse to do reels <laughs> mine's a see i do things account <laughs> yeah but this is like artsy fartsy stuff i like shoot on film and uh do interesting things with cameras and old cameras and stuff like that so check me out there uh negative selections and then um i don't know if this got plugged but due to the recent news about uh, King King Charles um, I would recommend a show on Netflix called The Windsors um, it is is this different giant... from The Crown yes and they reference The That's Crown wild. like a lot it's basically it's a joke it's a joke show like uh, it's okay. absurd it makes the nice. it makes the royals look like like the most cartoonish out of touch idiots in the world and it's really really funny um, if you're like <laughs> If you're like if you're like me where you like you have a passing interest in the royal family where it's like I don't like that people care about them but I'm also interested in the 
the drama that happens with being a royal a royal and stuff like that but they just like mm-hmm. like a complete joke of everything like prince harry's an idiot and kate middleton's like the most like prissy like not really prissy but just like very like picturesque perfect in every way and but she's also like <laughs> got a dark side to her and and the 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 depiction of king charles like is is so funny i would just recommend like watching the first episode and you'll get what i mean it's absurd and i Nice. I've watched it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks for the work. Mary Clay, where can people find you on the internet? What have you been up to lately? You can listen to my new podcast, Skywalk Before You Run, wherever you get podcasts. Um, as we're recording this, I am getting ready to like schedule episodes for, keep wanting to say, Return of the King, Return of the Jedi. Um, <laughs> but currently Revenge episodes are Jedi. coming out for Empire. Is Wait. No, it's it's Return of the Jedi. It's you can't say Revenge of the Jedi. You can't say that to me because then I get confused. Fun fact: the original title was Revenge of the Jedi, but George Lucas changed it because he sounded too aggressive. Oh my god, wow. it is aggressive. And I would also say, I would also say he hardly got revenge. No, no, not even a, a little bit. Currently, episodes are coming out about Empire Strikes Back. Um, these are I don't know fun, silly movies, and I'm having a fun, silly time. Good. Um, and I wrote the music. And then uh, here's the thing is, I don't think I have done anything. Um, That's fine. <laughs> I, I've been just like doing the same old stuff, watching the same old things, do reading the same old things type stuff. So I'll, I'll preemptively plug um, the concept of going to the theater with your friends, because that's what I'm doing this weekend with Christina and Brooke. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. So. We're going go, to see Pride and Prejudice. Yes, go see live theater. Hell yeah, I love that. Oh, the, oh, there's a there's a, a performance like a play in town. Yes, no, well, it's not, not in town. town. It's in Stanton. We're going to the fancy oh, Shakespeare okay. uh, Ooh. center. Mm-hmm. Fun. Brooke, where can they find you on the internet, and what have you been up to lately? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. Uh, trying to think what my life has been recently. Because, like, like, there's the obvious plugs, right? Enchiladas have been bringing me a lot of joy recently. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, if you're ready for that, I really do plug having a kid. It's it's pretty great. Um, regardless of <laughs> anything you've read Christina's on the internet. Eyes. <laughs> like, literally, regardless of anything you've read on the internet, a lot of work, very fun. To overall, highly recommend in okay, terms of, but still a lot of work. Just as a little reminder to all our listeners. Work. <laughs> uh, as like a content-based plug, um, I recently read and really quite enjoyed um, Kings and Queens of Rome. Not cool. Rome, R-O-M-E. Rome, R-O-A-M. Oh, it that's is an important a- distinction. Oh, I was like, wow, oh, what a boring-ass okay. historical <laughs> novel. It's written by the same dude who wrote... Big Fish, if you've seen that movie or read oh, that book, Daniel Wallace. Oh, I love Big Fish. Yeah. Yeah, I like that movie. Man just really knows how to how to spin a yarn, and it was mm-hmm. a thoroughly enjoyable book. It was just fun to read. Hell yeah. What was it called again? Kings and Queens of Rome. Oh. Cool. Okay. It's a short read. Okay. Thanks for the rec. I need books for work. I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. And this week, I'm going to plug the last book I read, which is when women were dragons by Kelly Barnhill was a very cool feminist, super interesting and unique, like magical realism type. Very good book. 
That's the kind of book I would read just based solely on the title, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's just like what the book is about. It's pretty straightforward. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me for this super chaotic episode about the movie. I really enjoyed I talking about it I honestly don't think it was chaotic at all. I think I we were like all very well behaved. Way less chaotic than it could have been, yeah. certainly. Well, yeah. we definitely, it was just that we didn't, the conversation went everywhere. There was no yes. through line like there usually and that's is. But okay. I think that's best for the movie episode. It got really serious and then it got really silly, just like the movie. Oh, Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs> oh, Jason's left. Bye. <laughs> Forgot my snack. Oh, he's crazy. <laughs> oh, um, it's been so great to be on this podcast. I can't wait. To be <laughs> 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 Stephanie Hollis next. Oh my god, I can't believe. Subscribe to our Patreon. Go check out Burn Before Reading because there's a two-parter today where I'm reading poetry to my ex that I wrote about him when we were like 14. Uh, <laughs> the first poem is about how I love him and the second poem is about how I hate him. Uh, the duality. Uh, oh, to be young and to feel love's cruel sting. That's it, potheads. Thanks for listening to The Restricted Section. Hosted and produced by me, Christina Kahn. The music produced by Ryan Kahn. Logo designed by Michael Hardison. Please don't find us on social media. I am not doing anything there. However, you are welcome to join our Patreon. For a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord server, which is a lot of fun. And for $5 a month, you get access to our monthly bonus episodes. There's also a $10 and a $20 here as well. So please go check that out. We are honored to be part of Deus Ex Media Podcast Network, which features lots of wonderful podcasts for nerds, including this one. On my first podcast, That's What I'm Tolkien About, I experienced the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time. Now, I'm turning my attention to a galaxy far, far away. My name is Mary Clay, and I am embarking on my first ever journey through the world of Star Wars. Join me each Tuesday as I drive deeper into hyperspace and discover what this vast universe has to offer. My guests will become like Obi-Wan Kenobi as they guide me through this adventure. The sequel trilogy is good information to have because I didn't know what to refer to those movies as. There's a sequel trilogy and then there are two spinoff movies that have come out in the last like 10 years. Okay, so very similar to Shrek. Uh, Shrek had the original trilogy, and then it had some spinoffs with Puss in Boots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like, like that. <laughs> Listen to Skywalk Before You Run every Tuesday wherever podcasts are found. We had fries, burgers and fries for dinner. And so she would like dunk the fries in ketchup and then try to just suck the ketchup off and then dip the fry back. And I'm like, <laughs> kids freaking love condiments. Just put all the vitamins in the condiment. There's someone. Okay. I have two thoughts about that. There's someone I follow that's like all toddlers are either dip, dippers or sprinklers. You can either like have them sprinkle things on their food and it will motivate them to eat it or dip oh. them, dip oh. the food and it will motivate them to eat it. And you just have to find out which one your kid is. They're like sometimes kids are both, but you can make anything into sprinkles. Like if you chop up broccoli, like you just do like the broccoli bits Broccoli sprinkles, you know what I mean? Like sprinkle it on your mac and cheese. So dipper, dippers and sprinklers. And then the other thing is that I'm anemic like most women are. 
Do you know how many grams of iron a, an adult woman needs in a day? You should be having vitamins. 18. 18 grams of iron. That's so much iron. That's like you need to be eating a steak a day or you're how not getting enough iron. many grams of iron in a steak? What? It says zero. What? That's not correct. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? It just, okay, well, whatever. It literally just says zero. But So anyhow, all of like kids puffs, though, are fortified with iron. And so like they make oh some God, that yeah, like. My nephews love those. Here's the thing. They make flavors that I would never give to Freya because they're just sugar. And I'm not a fun mom, right? But she has some that her that someone got for her that I wasn't about to be like, get that shit out of my child's hand. So I just like politely gave her some and then stashed it in my closet. But it has per serving and a serving is like whatever, like, you know, like a quarter of a cup of puffs because that's mm-hmm. how much a child eats. Has two whole grams of iron and only 25 calories and it tastes like a cranberry orange muffin. So now Ooh, if I am. Those if, are the best muffins. Right. So now if I'm feeling a little anemic, I literally just down like three handfuls of like <gasps> delicious cranberry orange baby puffs. And I have. Wait, an, that's a great idea. And I'm getting a ton of iron. Hell yeah. So anyhow, I recommend baby puffs for upping your iron intake. Wait, and those are the ones that you won't feed to her because they're too sugary? They're just sugar. Yeah. <laughs> That's like hiding your kid's Halloween candy and then slowly eating it. It's like, this is wrong, sure, but I, I, this is my right. No, that's exactly what it is. I'm like, this is healthier. For me, it's healthier than not eating it. For you, this is garbage. Well, do you guys want to start recording? Yeah. I've if you started. haven't already. Oh, I've been recording. Oh. Well, I joined I this I'm call recording now. just in case. See, we, we, we were just talking about this, Mary Clay. Everyone starts at super well, different Well, I don't start recording until we're ready to go because I personally find it annoying. <laughs> well, don't forget that I, at least on the restricted section, I usually pull a bit from the beginning chit chat to use at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually listen to the beginning uh. chit chat, unfortunately. You're going to get some hot tips on multivitamins this time. Yeah, I'm just going to do that whole (laughs) rant right at the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how much iron a woman needs? (laughs) Dave X Media.